think we need another song. Uh, calling on the name of Jesus. Every day, your name is the same. It's good to be in the house of the Lord one more time. We're thankful that God woke us up this morning. And he started us on our, on our way. I think we can say God has been good to all of us. We can put one foot in front of the other. We're clothed and we're in our right minds. We have food on the table, uh, clothes on our backs, shoes on our feet, and a roof over our head. God has been good to us. He's been mighty good. If you don't mind standing, I want to do two things this morning. Uh, I got my dates mixed up. I thought that last Sunday was the last Sunday of the month. And July snuck up on us. And I tried to do a pledge. I pledged to the Bible on the first Sunday, so my my days were mixed up. So I'm making up this Sunday for what I did do last Sunday. If you don't mind repeating after me, then I'm going to read our, our preaching text this morning. I pledge allegiance, I pledge allegiance to the Bible, to the Bible God's, holy word. God's holy word. I will make it a lamp, I will make it a lamp unto my feet, unto my feet and a light Unto my, path. Unto my path. I will hide his words, hide his words. In, my in my heart that I might not sin, might not sin. Against, God. against God. The preaching passage is 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I'm going to read verse 17 and 18 and then I'm going to drop down to verse number 30. I want to talk about the theology of the cross this morning and focus on the vicarious death of Jesus Christ. The theology of the cross, focusing on the vicarious death of Jesus Christ. I was hoping y'all would say amen. Because <laughs> if it wasn't for that, we wouldn't be here today. For Christ did not send me to baptize but to preach the gospel, not in cleverness of speech, so that the cross of Christ would not be made void. For the word, King James says preaching, but for the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us, who are being saved, it is the power of God. Yes. Verse 30, but by his doing, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. That's the reading of text and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You, you may be seated. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. For his mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. 
I've been trying to direct your attention to the message of the church. And I've been sharing with you that the message of the church is changing. So what we've been talking about the last few weeks, we have talked about the visible return of Jesus. Uh, what I want you to remember is that he's coming back and he could come at any time. We should, we should never, we should never forget that. We should live each moment, each day, as though the Lord could come at any hour. While we wait on his return, let us not forget the victorious resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is a doctrinal tenet. That is a cardinal cornerstone of who we are as New Testament Christians. We believe that the Jesus who hung on the cross died. He was buried, but we believe God raised him from the grave on the third day. He rose victorious. And his victorious resurrection gives us hope that whatever we face, whatever adversity comes our way, by him overcoming death, hell, and the grave, we can overcome conflict and adversity that comes in our lives. Y'all believe that? I want to talk about the vicarious death of Jesus this morning. And I don't want to promise the virgin birth, but I want to say that those four cornerstones, those four areas, the visible return of Jesus, the victorious resurrection and the vicarious death of Jesus, his virgin birth is how God lifts humanity up to have fellowship with him. And we have to realize that sin came into the world and sin separated humanity from uh, their creator, but God reached down so that we could go up. And he reached down by sending his son to be a sin sacrifice for the world. Our message, though, has, has changed over the years and over the centuries. And I'm glad that we sung the song, At the Cross, At the Cross, uh, where my Savior has died. We, we need to sing more songs about the cross. On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross. The emblem of suffering and shame. And I love that old cross where the dearest and best for a world of lost sinners was slain. So I'll cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies at last I lay down. I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown. Anybody know that song? At last and did my Savior bleed. And did my sovereign die. Would he devote that sacred head for such a worm as I. At the cross. At the cross. Where I first saw the light. And the burden of my heart 
rolled away. It was there by faith. I received my sight. And now I'm happy all the day. But sadly today our message has changed. We're preaching a crossless Christ. And if we're not preaching a crossless Christ, we're preaching a Christless cross. And I want you to know this morning that there's danger when we take Christ off the cross. And there's danger when we separate the cross from Christ. One extreme is liberalism. When you take the cross from Christ, we end up doing whatever we want to do. We, there is no restrictions. There is no commandments. We do what we want to do and dare anybody to say anything about it. When we take Christ off the cross, it becomes conservatism or legalism and, and, and legalism goes to the other extreme. Uh, liberalism is no one can tell me what to do or when to do it or how to do it. I'm going to do as I please, what I feel and what I think. And then legalism wants a scripture for everything. Say amen if you can. And, and both of those are dangerous because when we shift to a Christless cross uh, uh, or a crossless Christ, we end up making Jesus on our terms. And when I read scripture, no one ever came to Jesus on their terms. When they came to Jesus, they had to come on his terms. And I'm afraid this morning that, that we have stopped Preaching the cross because to those that are perishing, Paul says the cross is foolishness. Y'all with me? And when we stop preaching the cross and when we stop preaching Christ on the cross, it becomes bloodless. It and our preaching lacks power and our preaching lacks hope and. I came to say this morning, the world thinks this kind of preaching is foolish. Can I help you this morning? Yes, Don't let those who are lost develop your worldview. Y'all come close this morning. Paul says, for the preaching of the cross is foolishness. To those who are perishing, but to us who are saved, it is the power of God. Amen. What Paul is saying, to put a man on the cross and to say that salvation is in that man, the world says that's foolishness. And Paul also says it's foolishness to those who are perishing. Don't let those who are lost develop your worldview. In other words, I'm standing on the shore safe. And the world is drowning in the sea. How can those who are drowning tell those who are safe what to do to be saved? Y'all don't see it here. 
let, let me say it another way. I'm in a boat, secure, safe from drowning in the water. And the world is in the water, drowning in sin. It does not make sense for those in the boat who are safe to listen to those who are drowning in the water how to live because they need Christ more than we do. Are y'all with me here? How often do we seek the world's wisdom when the world is perishing? Because the world rejects Jesus dying on the cross. To them, that's, that's foolishness. I came to say this morning, that word foolish or foolishness comes from the word morai. And we get the word moron from that word. And, and what Paul is really saying is, the world thinks we are crazy. The world thinks that what we preach is silly. The world thinks it's nonsense or it's fantasy. Y'all come close this morning. The world thinks we are crazy for being here this morning. They think we're crazy for believing in a God we have not seen. They think we are crazy for laying up treasures in heaven rather than laying them up on earth. They, they think we are crazy for coming to worship Sunday after Sunday for coming back to evening service for coming to midnight midweek Bible study the world thinks that's foolishness the world thinks we're crazy for singing songs like my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus blood and righteousness they think we're silly for singing songs like some glad morning when this life is over I'll fly away to a home on God's celestial shore, I'll fly away. The world thinks that's crazy, that's foolish, that's nonsense, that's, that's fantasy. But I came to say, if I'm just preaching to myself, we are not crazy. Our hope rests in a crucified Christ who suffered for my sins. I came to say the only thing that makes sense is that I serve a God who's my sustainer. I serve a God who's my provider. I serve a God who's my way maker. He, he's my bridge over troubled water. I, what makes sense is my God is my rock in a weary land. He's a shelter in a time of storm. What, what makes sense to those who are being saved is I serve a God who can calm my nerves and dry my tears. We, we are not crazy. We are not silly for preaching the cross. We are the ones who are saved. Why would we take advice from those who are lost? We are the ones standing on the shore safe. Why seek advice from those drowning in sin? I, I came to say it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to the world. But I came to tell you it makes a whole lot of sense for you and I to believe that God commended his love in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. Am I all by myself this morning? I could not make it if I did not believe God cares for me. Anyone here ever had some sleepless nights? 
you toss and turn, you turn and toss, but you get up the next day and you put one foot in front of the other. You say to yourself, you're going to make it. And you know why you're going to make it? Because you believe that God cares for you. Anyone here ever been through the valley of the shadow of death? Anyone here ever had some dark nights of the soul? You've been bruised, you've been battered, you've been shattered, you've been shaken, you've been sliced and diced, but you wake up in the morning with Jesus on your mind. That's crazy to the world. But to us who are saved, it's the power of God. Am I talking to myself? Anyone here ever cry, Lord, have mercy? In the midnight hour? Is there anyone here who's ever had their back up against the wall and God provided just enough space between you and the wall to allow you to get through uh, the next day? I I wish I had some help here. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy to the world to say that salvation is in a man who died on the cross. But I don't preach a bloodless uh, uh, sermon. I preach a ser- I preach a cross, a man on the cross who died for my sins. And so when we talk about sin, we're talking about blood. When we talk about sin and blood, we're talking about one who needs a savior. And see, a bloodless, bloodless preaching lacks power. And bloodless preaching lacks hope. That's why I say my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. What Paul is dealing in this first chapter of the Corinthian letter, and it's interesting when you read 1 and 2 Corinthians, because reading Acts 18, Paul established this church. And he spent about 18 months there, then he left. And after leaving, he received some reports of the church. And uh, he wrote them more than two letters. We have recorded in inspiration two letters, but there is a possibility that he wrote at least four letters to them. Two of them are not recorded in scripture. But what Paul is dealing with is the division that was in the Corinthian church. And Paul is dealing with Jews who were legalistic and then the Greeks who relied on wisdom. And what Paul is saying to the Jews, that the gospel is a stumbling block to them. And to the Greeks, don't rely on your wisdom. Because if you want to be saved, you've got to believe in the simplicity of the cross. Now what Paul is going to do here is he's going to show them that a past event has present significance. That what happened in Jerusalem on Mount, at Mount Calvary on Golgotha's Hill, it happened in the past. And normally you and I need to realize this. And I really want to say, if it becomes real in our lives, we will live differently. What happened some 2,000 years ago is a past event. You were not there. 
I were not there. I am not an eyewitness of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I was not at the foot of the cross. And you were not at the foot of the cross. But what happened back then has significance right now. What, what Paul said now, Jews, to the Jews, this, this man dying on the cross is nothing new. Because folk died on the cross all the time. There were three men on crosses on that day. All of them died. But the difference between Jesus and the other two, they are still in the grave. I wish I had some help here. Men died before. But no man died and got up from the grave. So this preaching of the cross to the Jews became a stumbling block because they were caught up in legalism. They were caught up in Judaism and uh, rituals and routine and tradition. And I came to say, don't mess with a man's tradition because if a man ain't tied, ain't connected to God, his tradition can become more sacred than God. And what Paul is saying, I know about bulls and goats and, and, and other animals that were sacrificed for sin. But what I'm trying to get you connected to is move past that and see a man by the name of Jesus the Christ. He died for your sins. The Jews thought that was a stumbling block. And the Greeks thought it was foolishness because the Greeks got caught up in wisdom and philosophy and uh, they wanted to quote uh, uh, poets and wanted to show how, how smart they were. Uh, can, can I tell you something? Sometimes a person can be too smart for their own good. And what's smart with us may not be smart with God. And God said, I'm going to take something simple, something that will blow your mind but it's going to be so simple that even a child could understand. And it was a stumbling block to the Jews. It was foolishness to the Greeks. But to those who are being saved, Paul said, the cross is the power of God. In other words, God's power is activated when you and I understand what happened on the cross. What's the significance of the cross. There are three things, three ways that the cross is, 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 is described in scripture. It is described in a literal way. It's also described in a figurative way. And then it's described in a theological way. When I talk about the cross, let me hear you say cross. cross. Let me hear you say it again, cross. cross. Literally, the cross can be found throughout scripture. Simon of Cyrene was compelled to bear the cross of Jesus. The cross could be a wooden stake. It could be a, 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 a T-shaped stake or it could be sit high. The T crossbar could sit high or could sit a little lower. But it was an actual literal. Uh, it was actually literally it was a real thing. But figuratively, the cross was used to symbolize suffering. It, 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 it symbolizes pain. It, it symbolizes humiliation. It, it symbolizes disgrace. 
You know, there are times when Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. He's not really talking about taking up a literal wooden cross or a cross beam. What, what Jesus is saying when he talks about taking up your cross, get ready for some pain. Get ready for some humiliation. Get, get ready for some grief. Get, get ready for some suffering. I came to say, I, I, I'm talking about the theological, I'm trying to get to the theological term because I don't think many of us can handle the figure term. None of us in here want to suffer. None of us want pain. None of us want humiliation. But if you're going to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, bearing the cross comes with the territory. So in a figurative way, we're talking about suffering, humiliation, and pain. But as a theological term, the cross summarizes the gospel, the message of salvation in the New Testament. The cross assumes a central role in the drama of salvation. And the apostles preach that. And I came to say, you and I need to preach what they preach. You and I need to talk about what they talked about. Because if folk don't know what Jesus did on the cross, they will not ever appreciate how much God loves them. And I came to say, you and I sometimes take the love of God for granted. God didn't have to save us. But because of who he is, God gave his son as the ultimate sacrifice. And you know, Paul said on one occasion, for uh, for a good man, one would dare to die. In other words, some of us would give a kidney. Some of us would give a spleen. Some of us would give uh, an organ to save somebody's life. That's fine. But God gave more than a spleen or a kidney. God gave his son. To die for our sins. So when we talk about the cross from a theological perspective, you need to understand that the cross started with the Persians. It it, it was a form of capital punishment. It was the kind of punishment where they wanted to humiliate the person on the cross. It, 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 was, a, it, it was an intimidating factor. It was, it, it was a tactic where uh, uh, don't do this because if you do this kind of crime, this is what happens to you. It would bring shame to the family of the person on the cross. And it went from the Persians, then it went to another group. And then even Alexander the Great uh, uh, practiced uh, 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 um, uh, crucifixion and then finally it came to the Romans but uh, the Romans would not even crucify a Roman citizen unless the crime was was just downright nasty downright disastrous but a Roman citizen could appeal and not be humiliated with the cross but keep in mind now when they crucified Jesus before the crucifixion they stripped him of his robe they put cat of nine tails on a whip. And cat of nine tails are pieces of bone and pieces of rock and, and other nails. And when they whipped him, those cat of nine tails would sink into his flesh. Can, can you imagine? I, I, I go back to Roots now. Go, go back to Kuta Kente and go back to him tied to a tree and go back to him being whipped uh, by his master. But, but go back 
farther than that, that when Jesus was standing in the judgment hall, they blindfolded him. They stripped him of his clothes. They put a crown of thorns around him. They smote him on his cheek. They mocked him. They talked about him. And then they would whip him with the cat of nine tails. And every time that whip would tear into his back, a piece of his flesh would come out. Can you imagine that? Do I have some help this morning? This is what they preach in the New Testament. That somebody loved us enough to not say a mumbling word. Cat of nine tails. Smiting him on the cheek. Calling him all kind of names. Mocking him. And he's there all by himself. And then bleeding. Bloody, bruised, exhausted. They compel him to bear his own cross. Y'all don't see it here. Here's a man already bruised and beaten and bloody. And then on top of that, you're going to make me care my own cross. And then the Bible says that as he was carrying the cross, Simon of Cyrene, uh, was compelled to bear the cross to Calvary. So what does that say to us? The preaching of the cross. It, it's, a, it's a simple message. It, your salvation, my salvation, lies in the fact that somebody died for my sins. That, 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 that somebody loved me enough that before I was born, knowing I would be born, before I was born, knowing I would be born, Knowing that I'm going to make some mistakes. Don't get quiet on me. You're going to make some too. That God already had a plan to save you and I knowing what we're going to do before we do it. And here's a man by the name of Jesus who was God but took on human flesh. And now he's hanging on the cross. Now, the salvation of the cross, because Paul says that kind of preaching is not foolish. It's foolish to those who are perishing. Don't y'all realize we live in a world that is perishing? I, I, I meant to say this earlier. You know, our message is changing. And we got to get back to preaching what they preached in the New Testament. Because the culture change doesn't mean the church change. Now, there are some things we need to speak about. There are some social justice issues. And I meant to say this earlier, uh, but let me slide it in now. There are some things that the church cannot remain silent about. And one of the things is, 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 is current right now. Immigrants are coming to our country. And our government, y'all getting quiet on me already. I, I, I'm not a mind reader, but I'm thinking, y'all thinking I shouldn't say this. But our government has separated children from their parents. Don't y'all get quiet? That's inhumane. But our culture has changed so bad that we call wrong right and right wrong. 
it's wrong to separate children from their parents and send them miles away. Got some help over here. Do y'all need some help? Now, you can talk about immigration laws and there, there are some immigration laws. But at the same time, don't separate parents from their children in a foreign land. That almost reminds me of our history. And if we remain silent, I read somewhere, if the righteous, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Now, we, and, and, and let me fit it in. The preaching of the cross has to do with eradicating sin. Now, I know the argument is you shouldn't cross the border illegally. That's one argument. And I understand that argument. But at the same time is, if America is a Christian nation, show kindness even when someone is wrong. I got help over here. Y'all need converting on, on this side. Because scripture always dictates laws. Now I know we say we, uh, we obey the law of the land. You don't obey the law of the land when it goes against scripture. So don't get so hung up with the culture. And you know what Trump needs to hear? And y'all can tell him I said it. Trump needs to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Trump needs to hear that Jesus died for those crossing the border. Say amen now. So let's not get so caught up in social justice and good works that we stop preaching Jesus dying on the cross. But let me, quote, let me shut it down here. I see salvation on the cross. When we use the word vicarious, that's just a big word that means substitute. That somebody took our place. And that's why I wanted, you, wanted uh, it read from Psalm 22. Because Psalm 22 gives us, it's a, it's a prophetic description of the pain and suffering that Jesus went through on the cross. Now, it got hot uh, in, in, in L.A. County the last couple of days. And many of us were uncomfortable. Um, you know, if our AC went out, we, we sweating. And we might do something else. Uh, but uh, I, I want you to go back to Calvary. Because... What the writer describes of Jesus in Psalm 22 is a man hanging on the cross. Now watch this. When they crucified Jesus, they put nails, not so much in his hands, but in his wrists. Because the hands does not have enough bones, but they put hands in each of his wrists. Are y'all with me? And then sometimes 
crucifixion could be a slow death. And those hanging on the cross could literally, it could take days before they die. In the case of Jesus, he died in a few hours. But now he's hanging on the cross with nails in his hands or right on his wrists. And they would, uh, asphyxiation is why he died, they say. But they would, uh, he was hanging there and the sun was, was scorching on him. Now, I mentioned how hot it was in L.A. County. Can you imagine being on a cross with 113 degree weather? Can you imagine being on the cross in 103 weather? You know, when our children get sick and their temperature goes higher than 99, is it 99.9? What's fever? What is it? 98.6? All right, can you imagine when our children get a fever? But can you imagine being hung on the cross and then you're trying to prop yourself up to breathe and then you don't have no strength and you're dropping down. Then you try to prop up again and you drop down and you're thirsty and the sun is scorching the very strength out of you. Now, y'all don't see it here, but you got to see it. You have to see it because vicarious means that Jesus took your place. I think we got to see it. Is it okay if I read from the Bible this morning? Psalm, 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 Psalm 22. Uh, the psalmist said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Far from my deliverance are the word of my groaning. Oh, my God, I cry by day. You do not answer. And by night, I, I have no rest. Yet you are holy. To you, they cried out and were delivered. All who see me sneer at me. They separate with the lip. They wag their head saying, commit yourself uh, to the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him. Uh, many bulls have surrounded me. They open wide their mouth as a ravening and roaring lion. I am poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within me. My strength is dried up like a pot's herd. My tongue cleaves to my jaw. And you lay me in the dust of death. Dogs have surrounded me. A band of evildoers have encompassed me. They pierce my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. They look, they stare at me. They divide my garments among them and my clothing they cast lot. But you, O oh Lord, be not far off. Oh, you, my help, hasten to my assistance. Deliver my soul from the sword, my only life from the power of the dog. Save me from the lion's mouth, from the horns of the wild oxen. You answer me. I don't know how you see it, but I see a man crying out in suffering and in pain. But our salvation is on that cross. And I came to say, you know what we ought to be telling folk every day? That somebody died for our sins. And watch this. Paul said in verse 18, for the preaching of the cross is to them who are perishing foolishness. But to us who are being saved, 
It is the power of God. Let me close by telling you, there's three stages to our salvation. Paul talks about being saved. That's a present state. The first stage of your salvation, in verse 30, Paul calls it righteousness. Righteousness can be equated with justification. Righteousness and justification implies that you and I are guilty. Y'all ain't saying that. That's right. That's right. That's true. We are guilty. But God justifies us or quits us or treats us as though we're innocent, even though we're guilty. But because God is the God that he is, there has to be a sacrifice to appease his wrath. When there's sin, there has to be a sacrifice. So what God does in this first stage of your salvation and my salvation, and I don't know about you, but this is why I get happy, because God knows God is aware of what we do and what we're going to do, but he sent Jesus to acquit us from our sins. So justification is that you're guilty, but somebody is going to take your place. Y'all ain't saying it yet. So what he did was he sent Jesus to die on the cross. When Jesus died on the cross, he shed his blood. And I'm glad his blood was shed because I read somewhere, for without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. So when they pierced Jesus in the side on the cross, out came blood and water. Am I right about it? That blood that came from the side of Jesus is the same blood that cleanses me when I get in the water for the remission of my sins. So I stand before God guilty. But because of what Jesus did on the cross, he saves me or justifies me or quits me of my sins. That's the first stage. So when you come to Jesus, you hear the gospel, you believe the gospel, you obey the gospel, you're justified when you go in that water. Second stage is what is what what we call sanctification. Sanctification. You and I are in the process of being saved. You are saved when you obey the gospel, but you have to stay saved. Are y'all with me? You have to stay in a saved relationship. That's where the Holy Spirit comes in. Man, listen, listen, listen. If you like me, there are some things you think about doing. <laughs> y'all waiting for the punchline. There are some things you think about saying. But when you are in the process of sanctification, the Holy Spirit arrests your development, your evil, corrupt development. And you don't do what you think or you don't say what you think. Do I have some help this morning? Paul says, for the preaching of the cross is to them who are perishing foolishness, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. In other words, whenever you are faced with adversity and conflict, go back to the cross. Whenever life starts collapsing in on you, I wish I was talking to somebody. Y'all give me this look like y'all got it together. Y'all, y'all, look, who do you think you fooling? 
If you put on your pants one leg at a time, you ain't got it together. If you gotta brush your teeth in the morning, you ain't got it together. Do I have some help this morning? Sanctification helps us because when life collapses in on you, you look to the cross. Jesus said, uh, one of the thieves on, 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 that was on the cross said, look, look, well, one of the soldiers said, uh, if you be the son of God, come down and, and deliver yourself. Well, Jesus could have done that, couldn't he? Yeah, he, he, he could have done that. He, he could have done that. Let me back up. Even when he was in the garden, <laughs> in the garden of Gethsemane, and uh, Judas came with the soldiers, and Judas uh, betrayed him with a kiss. Y'all remember that? Yeah. That is in your Bible, right? Yeah. And uh, somebody, somebody pulled out a sword and was and, and actually cut off somebody's ear. Yeah. Am I right about it? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, man, I won't, I won't say something about that, but. Uh, um, but Jesus said, look, 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 put your sword up. Because if I wanted to, I could call legions of angels. Are y'all with me? No, 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 no. But see, my kingdom ain't like that. I'm not going to fight like you're going to fight. I could call, but I'm not going to call. So when we are being saved, which is the process we're in right now. You and I are in the process of being saved. The Holy Spirit sanctifies us. The Holy Spirit sets us apart. The Holy Spirit arrests our corrupt nature, our evil nature. And there's something I think about. There's something I want to do. There's something I'm about to say, but I take my mind back to the cross. And I see what Jesus did. And the Holy Spirit arrests that evil nature. But then the third stage is called glorification. Now watch this, watch this, watch this. You remember Lawrence? Yes, sir. They put Jesus on the cross. Yes, sir. They crucified him. Yes, sir. I heard some preachers have a talk about the devil had a talk with death, wow. hell in the grave. And uh, this ain't in your Bible, this is just preacher talk. Preacher death. Death fell in the grave. The devil had talked to death fell in the grave. Right. And uh, the devil said to death fell in the grave, if I kill him, mm-hmm. will you hold him? Right. Now, if I kill him, death fell in the grave, will you hold him? Yeah. Right. Death said, devil, you do your part. Uh-huh. We're going to do our part. Right. If I kill him, right. will you hold him? Well, it was a fateful Friday. Y'all remember that? He's suspended between the Father of two worlds. He's hanging on the cross. Uh, he cries out, Eli, Eli, Lama Sabachthani, my God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? He died on that cross. And the temple, the curtain in the temple was torn in two. Are y'all with me? Dead folk got up from the grave. Start walking around. It got dark as night in the daytime. Anybody remember that story? Devil thought. He killed him. Right. Now the devil's whispering, I killed him. Mm-hmm. Death, hell, and the grave, you do your part. That's right. Friday, death did his part. Mm-hmm. He's still in the grave. Yeah. Saturday, death, hell, and the grave doing their part. He's still in the grave. Right. Anybody follow the story? Right. Friday, the devil did his part. Here we go. He's in the grave yes, sir. Friday and Saturday. Yes, sir. 
But the story ain't over with. Because in my Bible it says early. Early. Y'all ought to be shouting right about now. Early on Sunday morning. Death, hell, and the grave couldn't hold it. Even though the devil did his part. Death, hell, and the grave could not hold my Savior. Watch this. I ain't through yet. I ain't through yet. I ain't through yet. I ain't got to the good part. I said we are in the process of being saved and we will be saved. That's glorified. When death, hell, and the grave couldn't hold him, he got up from the grave. He appeared to some folk. And he told some folk, don't touch me yet. Oh, Lord, it's getting good, brother. Don't touch me yet. Because I'm still in my glorified state. You, you can't touch me yet. You're going to touch me, but you can't touch me yet. Devil did his part, but death, hell, and the grave could not keep their end of the bargain. He got up from the grave, appeared to some folk who could not touch him. Later on, they could touch him, but I came to say this morning, he's coming back one day. And when he comes back one day, he's coming in his glorified state, and those who are saved were going to be with him, and we will be in our glorified state. Y'all ain't seen it yet. You know what I'm trying to say today? You ain't got to worry about no migraine headaches in a glorified state. Sister Singletary, you ain't got to worry about arthritis no more. Say amen if you can. Brother William, you ain't got to worry about cancer no more. You don't have to worry about it because you're going to have a glorified body. Brother Wilson, you ain't got to worry about diabetes because ain't no diabetes with a glorified body. I wish I had some help. Brother Boone, you ain't got to worry about your feet hurting. Uh, you ain't got to put a scarf around your neck because you're going to have a glorified body. I'm glad he saved me. I'm glad I'm being saved, but I'm looking forward to the part, to the part plan when I will be saved and have a glorified body. Save me. Y'all ain't happy enough yet. Man, listen. I, I used to have gray hair. Now I ain't got no hair. <laughs> but when I get that glorified body, I won't have to worry about hair no more. Say amen if you can. Salvation. And I got one more point. Do you know what it means to be saved? To me, to be saved means to be rescued. Or delivered. From danger. Yeah. Let me tell you why some of us can't get out. Some of us ain't sinned enough to appreciate salvation. Let me tell you what I mean. See, God saves us either by keeping us from some stuff. That's right. Or by delivering us from some stuff. See, see this, 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 this is where Church of Christ needs a whole lot of help. And I'm in the Church of Christ, so I need some help too. We brag about what we have never done. So some of us ain't never spent a night in jail. I know some people in here ain't never been jailed. God kept you from jail. Some of us in here don't know what a crack pipe is. We think a crack pipe is a pipe that's cracked. 
and thank God that he kept you from crack. Y'all gonna help me with this? Some of us ain't paying no child support. Because you've been a good boy and a good girl. And God kept you from that lifestyle. Y'all following me? Some of us can't tell a story about walking the streets homeless. You know, digging out a trash can. Getting plastic bottles and recycling them to buy a meal. Because God kept you from that. Am I helping anybody? So while we're out here bragging about, well, I ain't never drugged, I ain't never drank, I ain't never, I ain't got nobody pregnant, I ain't, I ain't never been in jail, I ain't never stole nothing. What you ought to be doing is thanking God for keeping you from that. You were delivered from that. I mean, you were kept from that. That's what I mean, you were kept from that. Some of us don't know what thug life is like. We don't know about rolling no dice, playing three-card money. We don't know about that. Am I talking your talk? You know what I'm talking about? We've been kept from that. God kept you, saved you from that. But then there are some of us who know what jail is like. Yes, sir. There's some of us who made some mistakes. There's some of us who paying child support. Y'all getting quite, oh, y'all were shouting on the other stuff. Now y'all ain't going to fess up in here. Some of us have been down in the gutter. Some of them have been down and folks squeezed, stepped on our neck when we were down. Am I talking to anybody? But now your story is, I once was lost, but now I'm back. I was blind. But now I see. You left the thug life. You ain't running around trying to score with every brother and every sister. You don't steal no more. You don't lie no more. You don't go to the club no more. Yeah, I said club. Boy, I got a turn over here. I, y'all need some work over here. It was funny. It was on Facebook a couple of days ago. Sister in another state is at it, is at an event, and one of these groups is singing. It's one of these groups that uh, back in the day they were famous. It's three girls, and now they old and trying to get their glory back. <laughs> oh, it's so funny, man. You know, it's, it's like, like man. Once you had it, you had it, but when you lose it, you ain't got it no more. Yeah. I don't care what you put on, you ain't got it no more. And, and let me tell you how, how, how the church is changing now. Now there was a time, and, and don't, don't y'all judge me for this, but there was a time that if we did some things, we tried to keep it undercover. Now today folks would say that's being hypocritical. And now we're under the cloak of being transparent. Uh, but there was a time if you went out clubbing, you didn't brag about it. <laughs> now folk put on Facebook where they go. And folk got stuff on Facebook, got a drink in their hand, drink on the table, and they bragging about showing the whole world, look, there's some stuff you ought to keep to yourself. 
So sister in another state is at, at, at some uh, event and, uh, and it's three, three women who, they were uh, famous back in their day. And uh, she posted it and a, and a preacher came on and, and said, nightclub. And the sister came back and said, this is not a nightclub, it's an event. <laughs> and then somebody asked me, why do you say nightclub? And uh, I cannot remember what he said, but, I, but in my mind, I'm thinking what he said is, it reminded him of the nightclub. We live in an age where folk don't appreciate the cross. Because when you appreciate the cross, God delivers you from what you used to do. Amen. Oh, I wish I had some help. I wish I had some help. When you deliver, you don't go back to be back. One more word, one more word. Redemption is on the cross. Justification, sanctification, glorification, but redemption is on the cross. Redemption means to be ransomed, which means you are bought back from something that held you in bondage. So when I start seeing my salvation on the cross, then I am reminded that God paid a price for my salvation. I was a captive to sin. So when I was in the world, I might club, say amen. I might go clubbing. I might uh, be in some places I should not be. But when I'm ransomed, I was held hostage, but now I'm ransomed by God through the blood of Christ. And that's why we all start singing the song more often, Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Listen, Pat, I know what I was like back in 74. But I don't want to be like that no more. So I got to look to the cross because there's power and my salvation is in the cross. That don't make sense to the world, but it make a whole lot of sense to those of us who are saved. My salvation is in a man by the name of Jesus. He hung, he bled, he died, but the grave couldn't hold him. From the grave you rose. You rose a mighty victor and conqueror. And he wants to be the Lord of your life this morning. Will you come by faith? Will you come repenting of past sins? Will you come and make a noble confession that he is God's son? Will you come and be immersed in water? You don't need to know everything about the Bible. You don't need to know Genesis to Revelation. You don't need to know the patriarchal dispensation, mosaic dispensation. You, you don't need to know uh, all, 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 all the different dispensations, the Jewish dispensation, the Christian dispensation. You, you don't need to know that. You, you, you don't need to know how many books is in the Bible. All that ain't necessary to get to heaven. What you need to know is without Jesus, you're lost. Amen. You, you, you don't need to know how many apostles there were. You don't need to know all that. That ain't what you need to know to be saved. What you need to know is that he will deliver you from your lostness. Grace and mercy is extended to you. When you're baptized in water, God adds you to the church. Ain't that good news? That's the best news I've had all week long. Jesus died for my sins.
Will you come? Let's stand. Let's stand.